Moving to a new house and other big life transitions like that affects kids. This is on my mind because my pediatrics practice is based in San Diego, where we have a lot of military families and a lot of my patients, much to my sadness, move when they are stationed at another base. One family in my practice is moving to Japan. I filled out all their medical forms, but then suddenly their move was canceled and it was changed to Missouri. And these patients are a high school student and a middle school student. They were okay with moving to Japan. They weren't thrilled. They had gotten used to the idea and they were starting to be excited about it. And then suddenly they find, nope, that's off. We're moving to Missouri instead. And they told me about moving to Missouri and I kept a blank face because I don't know the implication this move has for them. And I didn't want to put my foot in my mouth like I often do and say like, oh, that sucks. Because it turns out they are stoked to move from San Diego to Missouri where they really consider that to be home. I also watched their mom navigate this roller coaster of emotions. And I know she's worried about how her kids are going to handle the move. She may not be thinking that far ahead to wonder what effect moving is going to have on her kids when they're adults, but I'm thinking about that. I've talked before about adverse childhood experiences, and that's related here. There's all this new information in medicine that the things that happen to us before we turn 18 have an effect on our mental health and our physical health when we're adults. And one of the factors that researchers have been looking at is the neighborhood you live in. At the same time, there had been a small amount of research about the effects that moving between many different places has on kids. Mostly, researchers were interested in kids that are in military families like this one, but also on families who are missionaries or diplomats, people who move a lot. There's a name for this. They're called third culture kids. These are kids who live in one culture, they move to another culture, and the way they combine these cultures is their own culture, what researchers call their third culture. More recently, people have asked what effect moving between cultures within the United States has on kids, and on parents for that matter. Dr. Charles Warder is a clinical psychologist at Protected Roots Integrative Treatment Center. He researched this phenomenon known as domestic third culture kids. They call them TCKs for short. And there's a lot parents can learn from his research about how we can help children move when they're kids, but also how this can help them with any life transition. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. I myself moved from Los Angeles to a tiny town in central New York when I was 13. And I never really thought it had that much impact on me until I met Dr. Charlie Warder. He's a doctor of psychology and has expertise in domestic third culture kids, or what he calls TCKs. Here, he explains his work. TCK is a huge passion of mine in part because I'm a TCK. And the more kind of traditional explanation that was originally founded were for kids who were in international schools. So they were kids that were, you know, children of high-ranking CEOs living in other countries that were foreign to them, or children of missionary kids, or in the literature terms, diplobrats was another example of that, or military kids. Those are the traditional TCKs. The term third culture comes from having a home culture, or the culture you're coming from, and having grown up in, and moving into a new host culture. 
the host culture is basically where they've moved to, right? So a kid from New York raised with a New Yorker parent and a Floridian caregiver, let's say, let's say cross-culturally, that's the difference. They moved to Singapore, and then from Singapore, they moved to Hong Kong, and then from Hong Kong, they moved to Japan, and Japan, they moved to Germany, and so on and so forth. That's called a host culture. They've moved into the location that's foreign to their home culture. You experience different phenomenons in your life that inform your current identity. And that experience in the third culture kid literature is called the third culture space. And that's basically, you take components from your home culture and you take components from your host culture and you form an identity based on these lived experiences you have, say, in Japan or Hong Kong or Singapore, okay? Which is really unique to kiddos who often get asked a question, where are you from? That can be really, really activating for certain kids, right? Because all of a sudden, how do you explain that your parents are uh, part of this missionary group or they're part of a military branch and they have to move to all these different locations that they don't really have the same lived experience as other kids that grew up in their home culture. When researchers recognized this third culture experience, it led Dr. Warder to ask the question whether this experience of adapting to new cultures has an effect on the future success in a person's life or can cause problems. And I'll get back to his findings shortly, but first I want to explain some of the background on this topic. Back in 2016, a study was published in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, and they asked the question about what effect moving homes during childhood has on a person's health when they're an adult. The researchers tracked almost every single person that was born in Denmark between 1971 and 1997. They were looking to see what kinds of bad things happened to people and if it related to moving homes during childhood. They assessed suicide attempts, criminal activity, psychiatric disorders, drug use, and a few other things. And what they found is that moving during childhood was linked to increases in all of these bad outcomes. Moving multiple times in the same year made these problems even more likely to occur when these kids grew up. It's easy to think it was life circumstances like parents separating or poverty that caused the frequent moves and it's those life circumstances that led to later problems rather than the actual moving. However, the researchers had ways to control for these life circumstances when they compared people who moved versus people who didn't move during childhood. One of the factors that the researchers suspect causes some of the later issues was changing schools. Changing schools is like a double stress. Kids have to find new friends and navigate all kinds of social issues that are a really important part of their life when they're a teenager. Researchers in this topic do recognize that a household move that happens early in childhood for something like a parent's new job or to move into a nicer home, that has a different outcome than moving due to, say, like being evicted or moving because your house burned down or something like that. The study in Denmark doesn't include that kind of detail about why people moved, but the researchers were able to compensate for socioeconomic status. What they found is that rich kids had just as much risk as poorer kids when it came to having moved during the teen years. Often, moving was related to other family stressors. But the researchers' overall conclusion was that moving may be harmful in and of itself. You can read the details of the study. I'll put the link in the show notes. 
The study reinforces with data what we already thought, that switching homes is disruptive and is particularly tough in the teen years. The study also found that the kids who were most likely to have bad effects as adults were those that moved between age 12 and 14. However, Dr. Warder's research on domestic TCKs did find some really positive behaviors as well. What my research found was if they had a secure family unit rooted in values-based behaviors, they were not only successful, they were exponentially successful, often higher levels of education and purpose-driven behaviors. Purpose-driven behaviors. That means that third culture kids tend to look for experiences as an adult that have meaning. They pursue their values more than they pursue financial success or money. They choose careers that contribute to society in a positive way. And TCKs are more likely to seek higher education as well. These kids are worldly, and they have a different view on the world than their peers who haven't had a third culture experience. We know that when tough things happen to a kid, whether it's parents divorcing or moving across the country, whatever it is, they can either grow from the experience or they can have problems. They can become depressed, anxious, or act out. Dr. Warder has identified several factors that help these kids become stronger and more resilient from their TCK experience. If the family unit was supportive, and sometimes one of the variables that really stood out was faith-based practices. So engaging in your local church or synagogue or mosque, those were really, really indicative of longitudinal success as a protective factor for kiddos that experience high level of migratory patterns. And that was, that was kind of like, duh, right? Like, of course, faith is used in so many different ways to help people get through grief and changes and enhance resiliency and connection with others, right? Dr. Warder also identified factors in his research that identified life factors that contributed to having a harder time adjusting after a move. And it reinforces what was hypothesized by the Denmark researchers. If they were abandoned or they had like an anxious caregiver or an anxious attachment with their parents, they had a higher proclivity for chronic depression, substance abuse, and decreased academic success. If evolutionarily speaking, we're a nomadic species, right? The nomadic species, we've been able to survive whatever difficulties we have by the support of the system. So all to say... If the family unit, whatever family unit that may be, whether it's same-sex marriage or otherwise, or whatever political affiliation you may hold, if the family unit is supportive and indicative and holding, that kid actually is more resilient with these changes. If you're planning a move or even just a significant change in your child's life, a change of schools, neighborhoods, parents separating, any life transition, Dr. Warder has tips based on his research that you can use to help your child in a transition. And that's next. There are many character strengths and a great deal of resiliency that kids gain from being a TCK, from integrating the cultures they've lived in. And there are actions you can take to bring out the benefits of these experiences and get the most out of having to move homes. First and foremost is really acknowledging farewells. 
So farewells often due to whatever emotional arousal that may ensue in the kid can lead to just avoiding the farewell, right? The kid that grew up in Arizona uh, from the ages of zero to eight, the appreciation for that farewell could be creating a little box of all the little pieces that remind you of Arizona, right? And here's a rock that you had, you know, your first crush on something, whatever it may be. And you build this box with the kiddo and you carry the box with you. And it's not, you're not severing the relationship with Arizona. You're actually integrating the relationship with Arizona before you move to Florida. Honestly, it creates a lot of resiliency in that they're prepped for the next move if they have to or when they have to, right? So that's like the first one, specifically with the kids. The second one with the kids regarding caregivers with kids is depending on where they are developmentally in their age, be quite frank about what these moves mean and why you're moving. Sometimes these kids experience this uprootedness and there's a lot of confusion. It's all very nebulous. They don't know how to respond to the change and they either withdraw in internalizing behaviors or they act out with externalizing behaviors. So being really transparent around it is really helpful. And then there is rituals. So if the family uses rituals, so if it means having a dinner every night together, if it means it doesn't matter where you move, we still uphold going to a movie theater every Friday night with dad and it's a comedy and so on and so forth. You can reinstate the same rituals in every single place to help that normative process. You have to also ask yourself, like, is the adult prepared for all this cross-cultural migration, right? There may be, an, it's called acculturative stress that caregivers are also experiencing at the same time. You know, you have a military family who was stationed in uh, North Carolina or South Carolina, then came here to San Diego, and all of a sudden they get orders to go to Japan, right? That family that was raised in Missouri, speculating, also may be having their own acculturated stress to sushi, right? As, as simple as the food, right? And as complex as the food. But making space for curiosity and celebrating the differences make it so the kiddo doesn't encroach on things that are different with a bias, an inherent bias. You kind of have to take opportunities to say, oh, hey, Timmy, this is a really, really weird to eat sashimi the first time, but look how good it tastes with wasabi or with soy sauce or Maybe you'll like it. And do you like anime? Oh, you may like anime. So being open to the differences, even if it means questioning your own biases, will really help that child. There are a lot of things parents can do to prepare a child before they move that are going to make it easier. And this applies to moving across the world, to another state, or even just to a new neighborhood in your town. These can all be big changes for a child. Talk with your kid about what it's going to be like in the new home or what might be new or hard for them. Let them help you pack. This will make them feel a little bit more in control. Sometimes you want everything to feel the same in the new house, like same bedding and furniture. But for some kids, they might like choosing something new for their new house, maybe a new paint color for their bedroom or new bedding. And after talking through the move and what to expect, let your child know they can come talk to you anytime before or after the move if they need help. You can also just directly ask them, what can I do to help you? Most kids can tell you what they need if they have some time to think about it and if they know you're there to help them. It's also a good idea to talk about the good things that might come from the move. Is it a better climate, a bigger house, maybe more opportunities for the family? 
Or maybe it's closer to something they love. Maybe it's closer to their grandparents or a ski hill. And as we mentioned, a parent's attitude matters. If you're dreading a move, your kids don't really need to know that. It's okay for them to see you express your nervousness, but make sure they also see how you talk yourself through your worries. This shows them it's okay to have feelings and that what's important is that we work through them. But they don't need to worry about things that they haven't thought to worry about on their own. So be careful about the comments you make when your kids can hear you. They hear everything, even if you think they don't, and they understand more than you expect them to. Another thing to consider is to have a gift at the new house so they will be excited to get there. For some families, their kids get their first tablet computer during a move, and that's fine. After the move, remember to establish routines and have fun rituals. Keep regular meal times and bedtimes. Plan a fun activity that you do on the same day every week, like pizza night on Fridays, movie nights on Saturday, a trip to the park on Sundays. You know, make a plan to visit new sites in your new home, something exciting. Try to make your home feel like home as soon as you can. Hang your pictures on the wall, place familiar objects around the house. One tip I love is to make sure your kids have their favorite snack brands. A lot of snacks we love are specific to a region. In your city might not have their favorite chips or packaged foods. So either bring them with you or order them online to be delivered if you can't buy them locally. I traveled with a suitcase full of hot Cheetos to bring to a friend who's Mexican but now lives in Italy just because she wanted a taste of home. And I've even traveled with chocolate chips because they're not available all over the world. You can prepare to talk about issues that commonly come up with a kid after a move. Check in about their friendships. Leaving your friend group is a huge deal for older kids and can be a really big loss. Ask your kids about which friends at home they want to stay in touch with and help them stay in touch with those friends. It's even okay to let them use whichever social media platform their friends are using to stay in touch. It can also be a big transition for kids to start a new school because the curriculum doesn't match between schools. They may be at a different place in some subjects when they move schools, and there isn't always a lot of support from the school when this happens. School administrators and teachers are not educated about how hard it can be for a kid to move. What are Dr. Warder's thoughts about this? We need more psychoeducation. We need as many schools in the country to understand that this is a very big population. And sometimes, you know, contrary to other immigrants, it's a very hidden immigrant, too. Because they're not, it's not always as ex- exposed because they don't have the difficulty with the language barrier. They kind of fall within the same normative processes. So changing the language, and this applies for clinicians too. It's not, where are you from? How many times have you moved? You know, so the where are you from, is, it just spirals kids. And you're like, oh God, here we go again. Are you ready? And these types of kids often get parentified early on because they're spending most of their time with adults, right? Which, as you know, we know, uh, that isn't the most adaptive either. Like, they're supposed to be a goofy 11-year-old. They're not supposed to be speaking. The 11-year-old isn't supposed to come to me and say, hey, like, I've been reading about Freud. And uh, Freud said this. Are you sure about it? And I'm like, well, buddy, first of all, have you tried PlayStation? What do you think about PlayStation, <laughs> right? Like, like, kind of bringing it down to that age, right? Yep, a clinical psychologist is recommending video games. What he is really saying is, help your kid be a kid. One of the most important things for kids over age five is to have a peer group to make friends. 
We know that when kids move often, sometimes they don't want to make an effort to make new friends because they know they're going to move again. You can help your child meet kids with similar interests by getting them involved in an activity to help them set up roots, even if they won't be there long-term. Sports, art classes, rock climbing, martial arts, anything that gets them to connect with people their own age. It can be hard to make friends at school just because of the structure of school and that kids already have groups. What about when kids feel weird? I remember that was the hardest part for me. When I moved as a teenager, I felt so weird and I didn't fit in or wear the right clothes. This is the part where it gets the most quote-unquote cruel because kiddos don't understand differences as clearly as adults. When the kid is experiencing the uprootedness, put it into a new setting, it doesn't matter how personable, how adaptive, how mature the kiddo is, he's going to be labeled as different. And that's the double-edged sword of being a domestic third culture kid or a TCK. That will forever be your lived experience. So coming in contact with that and saying, that's actually something you can't change is a really difficult part of the therapeutic process. They will never have the same friends from kindergarten as adults. That doesn't work that way. But when they do choose a friend, and this is something TCKs are really skilled at, that friend is forever. It doesn't matter where they move. It doesn't matter where they go. That TCK will be the best friend and will be in contact with you for the rest of your life. So that's another interesting strength. They're very vulnerable. They don't really have a lot of time for small talk. They don't have a lot of time for ignorance because they're usually pretty informed. That's just a part of the process, and that's why it's so associated with chronic depression. It can feel very isolating when you have seen much more of the world and have a different worldview or perspective than other kids in your grade. I was curious what Dr. Warder's experience was with this. I was born in Chile, in Santiago, Chile, and I moved to Arizona. Arizona, Florida, Florida, Hawaii, Hawaii, New York, New York, Hawaii, back to Hawaii. Then I spent some time in Argentina, uh, Argentina, Washington, and then Washington. And this is the longest place I've been in California my whole life. It's been eight years in California. Dr. Warder is in a unique position to understand how kids feel when they have been through a transition. It's important for parents to know that kids and adolescents are so resilient. Like of all the populations that exist out there, and this is why I, I love working with adolescents, it's like, oh man, they bounce back. It could be one thing you say and they bounce back and they change the course of their lives. Thank you to Dr. Charles Warder for sharing his experience and expertise about domestic third culture kids. You can find him at Protected Roots Integrative Treatment Center. This topic of the effects of moving homes on a child was not something I had thought about before. If you have questions about an overlooked topic or want to share your unique experience, send me an email. And if you found this episode interesting, please rate and write a review of the show. Your reviews help others to find the show in their podcast app. Thanks. from the pediatrician next door find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com if you've got a question about the weird things kids do send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show i'm dr wendy hunter and i'm the pediatrician next door this show is produced by red rock music make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening i'll be back next time with more